This is Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get into today's show, a big thanks to our sponsors at 323 Sports. Here in the middle of winter, a lot of us are in cold conditions. 323 Sports has some great outerwear options for your teams and also for your athletic staff. If you're interested in any of those, you can find out more. Uh, visit 323sports.com or you can get in contact with a sales rep, sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Depending on when you're watching this or listening to this, this is the time of year that last one-third of the season, start of postseason play, the little things can mean the difference between you going on to the next round or the end of your season. I'd consider our topic today one of those little things that could potentially cost you a game. We're talking about the dangers of overhelping. Randy, can you briefly describe what we refer to when we're talking about overhelping? There's maybe some coaches out there who are, yeah. are hearing the phrase and thinking, no such thing. You can, yeah. never, you can never have too much of a good thing and this thing being helping. Um, and then maybe once you describe what that is, why can it be so dangerous to your defensive system? Yeah, so we're talking defense today, and and typically, in a big part of defense is helping, help helping on drives, helping on screens. That that that's a common word that you know is associated with defense, and and it's a vital part of a good defense. A good a good helping team is a good defensive team. So you're right. There there might be some watchers or listeners thinking over helping there's no such thing that's like being too rich or too good looking right like that you can't be either one of those so i would say that that the dangers of overhelping would be that when when we overhelp we leave ourselves susceptible to good three point attempts from our opponent so i think i think in a day and age where more and more coaches are 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 you know, emphasizing shooting, the things that analytics tell us about spacing and, 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 and inside out threes and things like that being such a vital part to offensive efficiency. Over the course of a coach's career, you know, if they're entering the profession, like someone like your age is going to be in the career, you're for a while, you're going to see nothing but an increase in importance in defending the three point line. You know, the, the data helps coaches get to a place where they're emphasizing shooting and spacing more and things like that. So avoiding situations like you see on the screen here where a player has driven and there's four defenders who's basically converged at the ball, um, avoiding those situations are, um, are going to become more and more important. So that's what we're going to talk about today, just avoiding the situation where, where we help, but help the right amount and help help with a specific player knowing that they're the help beforehand and and keeping keeping ourselves um, from totally collapsing like you see on the screen here and uh, that, that's what we're talking about is just is just really defining where help comes from when to help when not to help and how to avoid a situation where we have guys converging at the basketball when they should be sort of like sticking to their man to make sure that we don't give up a highly efficient shot for our opponent. To your point about the emphasis on the three-point shot, maybe some coaches who are thinking, well, at my level, you know, the three-point shot really doesn't burn us. But I think as offenses evolve, it's not necessarily what I've seen from the sideline is it's not necessarily the drive to the paint in this case. I mean, all five guys have at least one foot in the paint. Mm-hmm. 
But when the ball's kicked out, it may not be the shot that kills you, but that's a long closeout, especially now this year. I'm dealing with an extended yeah. three-point line at the college level, so you have a longer, another half step to a full step mm-hmm. that a player has to close out. Um, the emphasis now on offense is to drive the closeouts, which then leads to somebody having to actually help, which now puts your team in rotations. And it's just that domino effect. Yep. You end up multiple guys having to have to scurry and change who they're guarding. And this is why in the NBA, you watch one possession of NBA and it is just drive, make somebody help, kick, rotate, drive, kick, rotate. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, somebody's going to end up with an open shot. And so, you know, even if the three-point shot isn't as big of a deal for you um, at your level, like I said, as offenses get smarter and they start driving those closeouts, I think overhelping is going to show itself to be a bigger deal and more of a problem for defenses going forward as offenses continue to evolve. Yeah, staying out of closeouts, staying out of rotation. But I would say I would add to that, like like in the, the picture we see here, uh, the the player uh, Jefferson on the back of his uniform here has has driven, and he has drawn the whole defense. So that's that's going to happen, and we're going to get penetrated. That that's that's sort of like the cost of doing business. But when we do, how can we make it to where you know maybe we can get the the driver to take a tough acrobatic contested shot rather than an easy pass to. Uh, you know, the, what, what's the tougher play, the tough contested acrobatic two with a hand in your face or drive, draw, and then throw it out to a guy standing still for a easy shot. So, so that's what we're going to talk about is to sort of like avoid, avoid rotation, avoid closeouts and avoid situations to where they, the, the offense can quite easily go from a tough shot to a, a very makeable, easy shot. So let's go ahead and show them some scenarios that would lead to this. Okay. Obviously, the probably the most um, most often times that you'll need to help would be um, you know on dribble penetration. So what I have depicted here is uh, Villanova four outs from a few years ago, and the player circled there is about to begin what I call a lane drive. Right, it's gonna gonna drive from that right slot area with his right hand, uh, a lane drive. So the defense is going to need to help. They're going, they're going to need to help at, and, and protect the rim. So uh, one thing I would say is a phrase that I like to use with, with my team is, is one, or question I should say, was does the penetration, is it even affecting the rim? Is it even dangerous, right? So in this case, if number two here was to get past his guy, and threaten the rim, we need help. I see when when I when I watch a team who overhelps some one characteristic I'm often seeing is they help, they they help on the dribble, not the drive, right? Like just just a, a, a drive that maybe the on-ball defender's got to contain, he rounded it off or she rounded it off. It's not really downhill toward the rim. And just because the ball hit the ground, someone's yelling help and someone's coming, right? So and then you put yourself in bad situations that way. So one question to begin with is, is, is this penetration going to be dangerous? And, and this, I picked this, this possession because, yes, he's going to threaten the rim. This player is going, he's got a gap to drive through, and he's going to threaten the rim. So if the, if the possession is dangerous, then help. Okay, that begs the next question. 
where does help come from? Here you see, I've got it highlighted and zoomed in that in this case, help came from everywhere, right? Like help came from everywhere. And there might be coaches who are looking at this going, that's, that's great effort. That's exactly what I, I want to see from my team. But I would say that that's a little bit overzealous in help in that, in that, yeah, you stop the layup. This guy's not going to, to drive it for a layup, but what's going to result is an easy kick out extra pass three point attempt. It's sort of like walking that fine line between we've got to help protect our defense against giving up layups because you you go out of business quick giving up layups, right? So and and we have to be able to to um, prevent threes, good threes, good standstill catch and shoot threes. If you would go back to that first diagram, our first screenshot. So a simple rule that I like to use with my team is if we could just, if, if it was possible to draw a line down the midline, right? We've got three players from Oklahoma State on the help side and then two on the ball side nearest to us. So our rule was all help comes from the help side. All help comes from the help side. I particularly, I, I was particular about my language. I didn't call it ball side, back side, weak side. I called it help side. So that's your job. And particularly, it, in particular, it comes from the lowest man. So the guy that, that you see there that on, that on the help side, the lowest man, the man closest to the baseline would be the, the primary helper at the rim or before the rim, before the paint. He, we call it attacking penetration. The guy nearest to us on the ball side, we're not going to help off the ball side. We may stunt. We may swipe. We may shrink the gap like he has a little bit here but we're not going to open up and help in and then out and give up an easy kick on the ball side. We're going to make the help side help. Help come from the help side. All right, so what you see in the frame, the next frame, is Oklahoma State did it all. They helped off the corner. They helped from the low eye. The low man who's supposed to just sink and help the helper and perhaps block out the block out the backside, he's also sort of ready to leave his feet and – and help and and then it looks like somebody else rotated into the screen and and helped. So if you go to the next screenshot, you see the result. And that's and that's a kick out that ended up here. And for a team like Villanova with their shooting and spacing, that's a layup. That's that's a layup. You you may be looking at this going, that's not a layup for the teams that I play. I'm perfectly happy with giving up that shot. Well. I would say in, until you're not like, who are you trying to beat? Are you trying to beat the teams that can play or can't? I'm trying to beat the teams that can play. So um, we can't do this against the teams that can't play. The teams that can are going to make this shot. Mm -hmm. The, the overhelp here put them in a situation where they give up a big advantage shot. That's probably what, what would you say about 10 or 12 feet of space there that this guy has to shoot it. And yeah. that's a layup. That begs the question. I would encourage coaches to track your closeouts and how far away you need to be. You may be okay with being that far away, like Randy said, with certain teams in your conference, but chances are the longer that you proceed into the postseason, you're going to find we've found that once you get to that four-plus range, teams usually shoot somewhere between about 50 or 60-plus percent from three-point range. It doesn't really matter who's out there. So yeah, to your point, uh, you may be okay with that early on in the season against somebody that's not that good, but that's that's not going to lead to good things. Because, you know, even if you teach your players to go out there and, well, I've got a quick guy, he can get out there and attack it. Like I said, offenses are being taught to attack that, to draw another help defender, and then kick yeah. it to somebody else who can shoot, and chances are 
they're going to pitch to somebody who can shoot the ball well. If I if I could, what I'd like to do is break this down into three questions regarding staying out of overhelping situations. Is the penetration even threatening the rim? That's one we've already talked about. Two, where are we helping from? We've already talked about that one. From the help side. The lowest man on the help side, that, that helps us avoid like the total collapse of our, our defense. And then the third question is would be, is anyone available to help the helper? I couldn't, I can't put it any simpler than this, Tony, when we're talking about how do we stay out of overhelping, Randy? Okay. My my question, my response to that question would be we help, we want to help with two players. That's it. Not three, not four, not all of us. Two players, help and help the helper. And we only help when someone is available to help the helper. Like the screen, you know, if you would go back to the very first of those three screenshots, we're going to help from the low eye, the lowest man on the help side. And then we have someone available to help the helper. So he would, we call that bottom out, top down. So bottom out would, would attack the penetration. Try to meet it outside the paint. If you're a step late, do your best to get vertical. Don't foul contest the shot, do what you need to do. And then we've got the, the, the in this case, the middle eye, the, the, this guy there that you have your cursor on, top down. He would drop down to block out the backside or, or, or prevent the dribbler from dropping off a little bounce pass if this guy was to cut or if that was a post, say, like in the dunker spot or something. we got to slide inside that. So we, we, we only help when there's someone available to help the helper. Like if, if this guy off the corner wanted to help here, well, who's available to help the helper? Nobody, right? Like if he was to show in and kick out, he's got to be two places at once, and that's pretty hard to do. So what you see here, um, yeah, the second screen is, is exactly what we don't want to happen. The, the, the help side did okay. This guy looked that, that's dropped to help the helper. He's probably, you know, overhelping a bit instead of just securing the backside rebound. He looks like he's also going to go up and contest the shot. and But we helped off the ball side, and then a fourth guy from somewhere <laughs> helped mm-hmm. in there too. So those are the three questions it, you know, that I would, I would say let's keep that – let's make sure our players understand if it's threatening the rim, where does help come from, and who's helping the helper. And if I'm not in that equation, I'm, not, I'm, I'm staying attached to, to, to my guy. So let's talk about like what it looks like. And this may be something that coaches want to get and look at or even diagram on their own. Well, if you're a pack line coach watching this, this would this would probably be a little different than within what you would teach where a, a player's position is their help. And this guy probably wouldn't even drive it in the first place. X2 would be in early. And if they did drive it, um, we would get back on the kick to the strong side. And that that's perfectly fine, too. There's that that's just a, a, a different philosophy. But um, yeah, this is just a diagram almost exactly of the situation we saw in the Villanova screenshots of a, of a lane drive, right hand, bottom out, top down, sliding inside that, that dunker spot um, player to where if, if player one does go into a pull up or takes an airborne kind of floater or something like that, we don't, we don't um, give up a backside rebound. And again, if we're going to help, if we are going to task someone with helping, like we are in diagram, the diagram on the screen, frame one, yes, there will be someone open. Like we're bringing a second player to the ball. Duh. Like we've committed two players to the ball. There's going to be someone open. 
What I wanted was for the furthest player, the one that's hardest to see, the toughest pass to deliver to be the one open. In this case, like player three. Like player one would be having to take off and drive it, X5 help over, X3 um, drop down to help the helper. And the player that's open, X1 would probably maybe even have to leave their feet, get his eyes above the defense and jump skip it out to three. And then we would rotate out on that. Then this this collects connect or I'm sorry checks all the boxes in those three questions. Does the penetration is it threatening the rim? Yes. Is there where's the help come from? Help side. Is there someone available to help the helper? Yes. X three. What we don't want is X two to converge, X four to converge, because then the guy can just kick it to anywhere. Where just pick your guy, right? I think we've mentioned on the show before, but they're even teaching it like the NBA levels. X two there on the corner. You're like 70% married to the corner there and 30% yeah. married to the drive. So even at that level where they're playing kind of more of denial, not yeah. gap type stuff, they're still taking that away. And then some, this is the popularity of like peel switch. There's more to yeah. it than this, but you rotate there and then your frame number two, X4 would rotate down to three and one would rotate off the four. That way you don't end up with like two people on the ball, which obviously creates an advantage somewhere else on the floor. So yeah, so there's, there's, there's options. To, to do it, to handle it on the ball side and not pull your help from the help side. This is the kind of thing where you probably just need to, at this point in the year, make sure your team's not overhelping. But the things that I just mentioned, like don't introduce peel switching now. Don't introduce <laughs> all these other rotations. It takes even, I've heard even at the highest level, I mean, they're practicing this from day one of training camp mm-hmm. and, and, and put the emphasis on it. So um, maybe for next year, make sure that you're introducing this and teaching this from day one. Another situation that this is this is kind of a repeat of the same diagram of showing the help side rotation about how we don't want to leave the the shooter on the ball side. If we do, we give up an easy pass instead of that hard like jump skip type pass. We, you know, like my my tenth JV guy can make that pass. My, you know, that that's not that hard to to make if we help from the headlights, right? So, um, you know, what you want to avoid is two-way help, helping in and then out. If you're already in, like, pack line, I can live with that because maybe they don't even drive in the first place. If we do, we're just we're just moving out on the flight of the pass and we arrive when the ball arrives and no harm done. Very disciplined either way. you got to be very disciplined either way in your positioning, your stance, and, your, and moving when the ball moves. Same whether you're bringing help from the help side or the ball side. Another situation I'd like to talk about where I see a lot of overhelping is it overhelping is needless double teams. Like you'll see sometimes people collapsing on a post entry, like they enter the post and the whole team just collapses down on the guy or someone from the ball side just goes down and attacks the post player. And, and, and that's just easy for them to kick it right back out. And then you're in and back into a closeout. You could give up a good three. You could get driven, et cetera, et cetera. So, so why are you double teaming? I'm not saying there's, there's not instances in which trapping and double teaming is a good strategy and a, a good tactic for you. But like, sometimes it feels reflexive to players like, okay, they threw it into the post and my post guys got him walled up. He's we're good. We, we if, if he's going to score, he's got to score a fadeaway over the top. We don't need you to collapse, man. Like, like I see sometimes teams collapsing on some post player, like it's prime Wilt Chamberlain. And this, this dude's not, a, not, He's not really a dangerous threat. He's gonna, he's walled up. He's 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 not. He's gonna have to take a tough two. And probably the play he really wants to make is kick it back out. And we're just giving him that play. So kind of avoiding some needless double teaming, like collapsing on on a post when we're in good post defensive position. 
again, there there might be someone watching, like, hey, we we play someone with a great post player, but their kids can't shoot, so we're gonna we're gonna double down and and take our chances with that, and you know, oh, good, that 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 might work for you. Uh, but again, when when we move through the bracket, when we move through the bracket, and we're done beating the teams that can't play, and we have to beat the teams that can, we we have to like kind of guard our assignment. Mm-hmm. We have to guard our assignment. I need the on-ball guy to compete on the second or third dribble to where we don't have to help as often and always get into these rotations. And, and we gotta have and if and if we, we gotta have to we, we gotta guard our assignment so we we don't you know give up good threes. You know, I would say that like if you just approach defenses like let's say, let's say you made the next your next game, your game plan. Instead of, you know, thinking about all these different things, just think about, I want to give up fewer three-point attempts. Attempts. Like, I just don't want, and maybe that maybe we're giving up 23-point attempts a game or something like that. Let's see if we can cut that in half or something like that. Then in order to do that, you would sort of arrive at some of these things we've talked about today, right? Like, where are our opponents' three-point attempts coming from? Well, they're coming from when we collapse on defense, when we needlessly double team, when we overhelp, uh, you know, things like that. Like, yeah, there's the occasional bad shot your opponent might take where they just sort of pass it around and take a step back three over the top of you. But most of their threes, you know, come in situations where you probably helped first and perhaps overhelped. <laughs> I've seen it too, burn where you drive, multiple guys help, and then a shot is thrown up and everybody's already converged on the ball. And the shot is missed, but you're not in a position to box anybody out. And then there's an offensive rebound or you do kick it to somebody and they can't shoot very well, but they shoot it and it leads to a long rebound. But everybody's currently standing in the paint. And so the ball bounces back out and the team gets an offensive rebound. Yeah. We said at the beginning, this isn't this may not necessarily happen to you 15 or 20 times in a game, but you're going to wish in the five times that you had overhelped in a game in the first round of the playoffs where you lose by three points that you, that you had focused on not overhelping. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah. totally agree with you. The, the doubling of the post or just simply going and digging too much, like yeah. you know, getting too too everybody says like, well, dig. But again, if you, if that leads to a long closeout, don't go dig. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> yeah. Be careful yeah. about where you're and digging. know who you can and can't dig off of and all things like that. Like, like I'm, I analogize it to say in baseball, like a, a base runner on first base taking a lead off, right? Like, like all right, you you can do that against some some pitchers, but if they've got a good pickoff move, you you better shorten that lead off, right? Same thing. If you're playing a team that can shoot, you can swipe, you can dig, you can stunt. Go ahead, but like, be careful. <laughs> you might get picked off, right? So I, I always make that analogy of like, you know. Don't don't get picked off like a like a guy taking too big of a lead against a pitcher with a good move to the to the bag, right? So, and that's the challenge of playing against good spaced teams that can shoot is like you're put in dilemmas, man. Like I got to guard the ball one on one. Well, they got a good guard who can break us down and perhaps get to the rim. Well, and okay, well let's provide more help. Well, they got good three point shooters too, like that. You know, that's what happens when you when you're done beating the teams that are bad and you play the teams that are good. You've got to be good also individually. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Before we wrap things up, big thanks to our sponsors at Sideline Interactive. They're the leading manufacturers of scoring tables and scoreboard boards for high schools and colleges around the country. Randy, your Beyond the Scoreboard newsletter this week was, and where can they find that? Well, I haven't written one this week yet, but I've got an idea in mind, so stay tuned for that. But they can find that on radiusathletics.substack.com, Beyond the Scoreboard. Kind of those are those are some thoughts that I share that maybe don't have as much to do with X's and O's, but have more philosophical coaching uh, topics to consider. You can find out more about Sideline Interactive at sidelineinteractive.com or Randy always includes a link at the conclusion of his newsletter. You can find that there on his Beyond the Scoreboard newsletter. Yep. Appreciate all of those who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch the full version at the Radius Athletics YouTube page, or you can listen to the audio form of it by just simply searching a quick timeout on any podcasting platform. There you'll find the audio version of the show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum.